Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. If you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm pretty excited this morning because I believe this morning in this house with all of my heart, there are some people who walked in this house in chains and in bondage in their hearts. They're going to leave this place completely free because of the power of Jesus Christ. Not because of my great message. I'm going to tell you right now, I completely stole this message. It has nothing to do with that. It has com- everything to do with the power of Jesus Christ. How many of you know Jesus died on the cross to take all of our sin and all of our shame and then three days later rose from the dead. Okay, the other day, my youngest daughter and I were talking and we were talking about a person who needed to come to Christ and she said this, Daddy, it's impossible for that person to turn to Christ. And I said, sweetheart, did Jesus rise from the dead? And she said, yes, he did. I said, you really believe that? She goes, with all my heart. I said, here's the thing. It's impossible for dead people to come back to life. That's impossible. So what about this person you know? I'm telling you right now, any person can come to know Christ as their Savior and Lord. It's not impossible. My own dad was a complete atheist, on drugs one minute, and the next minute surrendered to Christ. Nothing is impossible for our God. We sing about it in so many songs today about freedom. There is freedom in Jesus. There is freedom in Jesus. And we say it over and over again, and you need to get this deep down in your soul, that if you know God, then you will find freedom. I'm going to say it again. If you know God, then you will find freedom. Like you need to believe that in the deepest part of who you are. That's the whole reason we get into this word of God. I preached on some of this last week. We talked about getting in the word last week. And as I was ending last week, I kind of went in this vein of where I'm going today. Um, Today, I want to talk about winning the war in your mind. How many of you have battles that go on right up here between your ears sometime? Anybody? I think... I think I found my target audience this morning, all right? Um, This will go to all of us. I'll be honest, for me, for Drew Killingsworth, uh, my thoughts are some of my biggest battles. To the point, there's been one point a few months ago, I just literally walked outside and just screamed, shut up. I was talking to myself because I was tired of the same rat race of thoughts going on over and over in my mind we have this battle that goes on and it's this thing like we have fear that goes on in our mind and then we're like but i know what the word of god says so there's this faith that i have that i believe the word of god and it's like this back and forth faith and fear faith and fear faith and fear over and over and over and over again and we want to trust god but we also want to be in control we want to lean on his promises, but we also wonder if we did such and such, if it would make the situation better. And it's this back and forth that we have going on inside of ourselves. And what I realize is that most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. 
there's going to be some free people. I just believe it. But let me tell you, I did not come here just to tell you about the bad news. I have good news this morning. You ready for good news? God's word is power. Like that was my whole sermon last week. And it's basically my sermon this week. God's word is power. If you believe that, say amen. And here's the reality, guys. This is not just helpful info. Too many times we approach the word of God of like, maybe I'll find something that will be helpful to me. It's not that. Hebrews tells us that this word is alive and it's active. There's a lot of books in the world. But there's only one book that when you pick it up, this book is actually living and it's active. It's powerful. It's moving. Um, this, this book right here will transform us. It will transform our minds. This, this battle that we have that goes on in us is not unique to us. Even the Apostle Paul had it. Like sometimes, I mean, but just feel almost just like work to do in frenzy sometimes. Maybe, I don't know, like I'm out of my mind. I don't understand because you have two different thoughts going on, battling inside yourself. Paul had the same thing happen. If you read Romans 7, he says like, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law and that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me for I do nothing that's good. And he goes back and forth, all this thing. And he says, now, if I do what I do want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sins that will wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from it. Like he's going back and forth. You're just like, what are you talking about, Paul? It's like you can see the turmoil inside of himself. It's like, I hunger and desire for the things of God, but still there's something inside of me. And at times it can just make you feel almost out of your own mind. It's this war that goes on in your mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, this is what it says. We're going to look at verse 3 here. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. I'm going to stop right there. We are not waging war according to the flesh. That person is not the problem. Your situation is not your problem. The, the thing that you think is the war probably isn't the war. And this is what it says in verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Say amen right there. You're going to have to help me preach this morning. This word in the Greek for power is the word dunamis. It's talking about this explosive power of God. And when it's talking here, um, it's talking when it says stronghold, this is actually a military term in the Greek for a fortress built like on a high peak. It's a reinforced wall, a stronghold, a defensive place. And what it's saying here is, is that our weapons destroy strongholds and we have to understand what a stronghold is then this stronghold is not a good thing in this verse this stronghold is a terrible thing in this verse you might have ran around in christian circles a lot and they might use the word stronghold a lot and you always wonder like what are they talking about think about like a thick fortified fort that's why they call it a fortified 
And what it can be, it can be a prison for all the lies you believe. You say things like, man, I just can't trust anybody or I will never succeed or I'm always broke or my marriage will never be good or God doesn't hear me when I pray or God doesn't care or no one cares or man, you know what? I'll, I will never make a difference in anyone's lives. I'll never amount to anything. Like anybody have any thoughts like that ever? Man, I, there's been Sunday mornings. I get done preaching and walk over there and some of these thoughts will start coming at me how dumb is that not the enemy but how many of you have done the same thing where just these thoughts these strongholds is what they are and the enemy he wants to be entrenched he wants a position he can live in that's fortified that you can't get at and the reason i know their thoughts is what he's talking about here is because look at verse five it actually says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ and take every thought captive to obey Christ. What he's talking about here are things that are going on inside of you that the stronghold that the enemy has is actually within you. It's the arguments that you believe. It's the lofty opinions of others. It's the thoughts that exalt itself against Christ and those are the strongholds in your life. And the enemy loves it because he can live there and you can try to come at him, but it's defended. And guess who's defending it? We are. Because we believe it should be there. Because when something bad happens to us, it just reinforces that stronghold. Yeah, see, that's right. See, they don't like me. And so that stronghold gets a little stronger. I point up here, I'm thinking of this big mountain with this big stronghold on top. And every time we see something or experience something negative, we think, see, that's, that's right. Our stronghold is true. And what we do is we help the enemy even reinforce that stronghold in our own minds. Uh, I told you this morning, I'm, I'm stealing this this morning. I'm stealing it from Pastor Craig Rochelle. He wrote a book called Winning the War in Your Mind. And about, oh, it's probably been nine months or so ago, um, I got a hold of this book and um, went through it. And I, I've never preached out of a book before. I probably have once somewhere along the lines. Um, but this is a book that I crawled through slowly. It's one of those books that you can't read. I mean, you could read it in a day if you're a fast reader. Um, but it's one of those books that you actually need to take about a month or two to read it. And just let it set with you. If you're in D groups, what this book is, basically it's a long version of a learning circle for yourself. Um, winning the war in your mind. And it made a profound impact on me. I'll be honest, I was dealing with some severe anxiety. And what this does is it brings me to the word of God and challenges myself. Here's what, Pastor Craig Groeschel says in that book, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you have notes in your phone, you should probably get those open and, and write these verses and scriptures down and write some of these notes down and revisit them tomorrow morning during your uh, abide time. A statement he makes is this. Is our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I'll say that again. Our lives are always moving in the direction of of our strongest thoughts. 
And we see this so much of the time. My dad used to preach this all the time. If you ever attended this church while he was pastor here, he would describe this all the time. How do you find yourself living in habitual sin? Well, first you have a thought about something. Like, oh, well, she's pretty. It's not necessarily a sin. And then maybe you decide, like, well, look at more pretty girls. And now you're venturing over to something that's similar to lust. And then from there you move over into, well, I'm just looking at all girls I think are pretty. And with a little lust going on in your heart, which Jesus said is just like adultery. And then from that, you start looking for it other places besides just where it happens upon you. And then the next thing you know, you're seeking out pornography on your phone. And from there, it turns into looking for other women who you're not married to to maybe satisfy yourself. And now you're just fully down this path that you never imagined you would get on. You never imagined you would go that far. And it started very simply with a thought. It starts with just a simple thing, just a thought. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says this. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You're always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What I love about this book is it brings in science. I'm, I'm a science teacher by trade. Um, I love science stuff. I geek out on it all the time. Um, there are some of you in the congregation that occasionally will send me articles of different science things when they come up, and I always read them. Other people would just be like, that's weird. I geek out on that stuff. I'm all about science. Um, but there is science that backs up this scripture, which doesn't surprise me because God created the universe. So what science tells us in, in cognitive behavior and psychology, it shows that, that relational, relational challenges and eating disorders and addictions many times, uh, and some forms of anxiety many times, are a direct result of toxic thinking. That the problem is how you're thinking. Could there be other issues? Sure. But it's how you think. In our disciple-making culture, one of our big scriptures that we know around this church is Mark 1.15, which Jesus says this, repent and believe the good news. This is Jesus' message of his kingdom. Repent and believe the good news. And the word repent literally means to change your mind. To change, I need to change my mind. Look at somebody. Because some of you are you're checking out, I can tell. Look at them in the eye and say, I need to change my mind. And then you say, yes, that's right. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to change your mind. The life we have is reflection of the thoughts that we think. And so that determines who we become. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think you can, you probably will. I, I always tell my bosses, it, to do hard things, you have to do hard things. If we dwell on our problems, they overwhelm us. Anyone ever been there before? I'm raising my hand because I have. You can raise your hand, please. 
So I know that, okay, we're, you're with me. I know if you look for solutions, you usually see them. If you feel like a victim, you'll probably become one. But if you believe that you're an overcomer in Jesus Christ, you will start living a life of victory through Jesus Christ. But the question for ourselves this morning is we have to start thinking about what we're thinking. Now, in science, we call that metacognition. It's a big word. If you want to sound smart, say, yes, I've been working on metacognition. Thinking about thinking. So today, we're going to think about our thinking this morning. I want to ask you some questions. I want you to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you be on between worried and peaceful? Worried or peaceful? Worried people think, oh no, I'd, I don't know what's going to happen with my kids or I worry about the future. What am I going to do for money or a job or, or what about my health? Whereas peaceful people would think, I can trust the Lord. I can trust His Word. I'm full of peace. If you were to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you be in that this morning? Now maybe right now in this moment, you're like, 10, I'm sitting in church. What about negative versus positive? On a scale of 1 to 10, if you were more negative versus positive, because negative people are critical people. They find fault. They're discontent. They're always busy. Positive people believe the best about people, and life is good. They're optimistic about the future. Here's one that I struck me really hard. The other ones I was like, ah, I'm a Christian. Those are, those are, I'm good. This one got me though. Being worldly versus being eternal. Where would you say you are on that scale? Because worldly people are consumer-minded, materialistic, possessions. I need to be liked by people. I need to make sure I have my stuff. Well, I don't have a lot of stuff. I'm telling you some of the most materialistic people I've ever met barely had anything. Whereas if we're eternally minded, we realize that everything we've been given is just a gift and we're just a steward of it to reach people that we understand our job and our things are part of our calling to proclaim Jesus and the kingdom of God to those around us. Like when we truly have an eternal perspective, there's this freedom that comes like, oh, it's just going to all go away someday anyway. I've been, listen y'all, I've been looking for a house in this market. The stress level of that. Like I need a place to live. Y'all, I have a place to live. And just being content and waiting for the Lord to move in the right situations at the right time. Being eternally minded like, you know, this world is not my home. I don't have to worry about this. This is not my problem. This is God's problem. Lord, show me where to go and what to do. Here's what that I, I try to remind. I was going to say, I try to beat this into my kids all the time. It's probably not the right way to word this. Um, something that I try to instill in my children all the time. It's all about how you word it, right? Um, 
what comes into your mind comes out of your life. And, and I, I try to instill this with my kids about music because it was instilled in me when I was a teenager about music. Like the kind of music you listen to affects you. Uh, I'll, confession here, if confession is good for the soul, right? When I was in high school, I really liked emo music. If you don't know what emo is, it's short for emotional. It's lots of, uh, it's really sad. It's worse than the blues. Uh, And there's a genre of emo called screamo, which is very emotionally sad, but was screaming. Um, That was into that a little bit, which I just thought was good sounding music. A lot of it is about she broke up with me and she broke my heart, right? And it's, that's like every country song too, right? Um, really, it's all the same. It just sounds different, right? Um, half rock songs are that way too, right? And, and it was just good music. I thought, this emo, it's just good music. Until I was a sophomore in college and my girlfriend broke up with me. And then all of a sudden, all of these words that I've been listening to for the last three or four years suddenly had meaning and I dove into them and through my sophomore year became very depressed by the way a lot of emo kids are really (laughs) depressed right that's kind of the hallmark of the whole emo thing and so I became very depressed and one day realized I figured it out I've been listening to all the wrong stuff in computing we call this Garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put in is never going to, like whatever comes out will never be better than what you put in. If you put in garbage, garbage comes out. And so teenagers, I implore you, be careful what you're listening to. Be careful of the kind of music that you're hearing because what you put into you is what's going to come out of you. cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Remember, we're always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if that is true, we have to ask ourselves this question. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? And I am here to say, if I rewind nine months, I was not. And I knew a change was needed. I'll I'll be honest, anxiety plagued me waking up every morning and the first feeling I had was just anxiety just right there anybody ever been there eyes pop open anxiety what the heck is going on and what I had to do what I'm asking you to do this morning is to identify the biggest stronghold holding you back there could be tons but let's just let's just go for one this morning Because it's usually one that's really getting you. What is the biggest stronghold in your life this morning? Is it that you're not good enough? Is it the fear of other people's opinions? Is that my past is just too bad or I just can't trust anyone? Or or maybe it's I I struggle with my health or or my weight or or I'm not strong enough or or I'm not good with money or I can't ever feel close to God or I, I just, I hate my job. Every relationship I in it, it just breaks down. What is your stronghold this morning? I'm going to pause for a moment. 
In fact, will you do me a favor? Just close your eyes for half a second. And if you're listening to this at home, I would, I would ask you just close your eyes for a moment and think about this. What is the biggest thought that you battle? What is the biggest stronghold that seems to come back to you over and over again? So here's the deal. God made our bodies. And sometimes when we do negative things to our bodies, negative things happen. If you, God made it to where if you hit your thumb with a hammer, it hurts. Turns out, negative thoughts change the chemical makeup of your brain. In fact, every thought you have has a neurochemical reaction in your brain. If you have a positive thought, you get a surge of this thing called dopamine. You ever heard of dopamine? Yeah. It's fun when you get online and you see someone has commented on your post, something real great, dopamine. Someone says, hey, I like your hair, dopamine. When your spouse texts you and says, I've been thinking about you, when you're coming home, dopamine. Neural pathways in our brain exist because the Lord put them there, and there's billions of neural pathways that go through our brain. And what happens is the more often you think about a thought, the more that pathway becomes established. Your third grade teacher knew this. That's why for a month, your third grade teacher said, what's five times five? 25. Uh, your neural pathway isn't established there. <laughs> 82 is not the answer. Do you remember the first time you learned the multiplication tables? It took you a while. It was slow. But the more you went over them and over and over them, the faster and faster and faster you got until today, you don't have to go, okay, five times five. So if I have five this way, going five this way, and that'd be one, two, three, four. No, that'd be a waste of time, right? It's good to have these neural pathways. The Lord put them in us for a reason. But what happens is, is that these pathways get so established that we become stuck in a rut sometimes, and sometimes the thought patterns get stuck in a way that we shouldn't be in. And you find yourself thinking about the same thing over and over and over and over. You can turn to Romans 12 too if you'd like. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. It says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. He's saying here, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't get stuck in the pathway of the world, the pattern of the world, but be transformed in your mind. Say, I need to be transformed. Say it with a little more gusto. I need to be transformed in my mind. 
We need to create healthy pathways in our mind, not unhealthy ones. That's why it says there in that Corinthians passage, 2 Corinthians 10 passage, that we need to take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. We got to grab those things before they can make a pathway in our mind. We need to think about it in a new way. Think about a path, right? Um, if you come out to the house, you'll see, walk around the side of the house, there's this pathway that's been established where the dog takes the same path every day. It wasn't always like that. It used to be just green grass. Uh, this w last summer, we cut a bunch of four-wheeler trails out on the, on the hill. And then over the winter, nobody drove them much. They started to grow up a little in the spring. Couldn't really tell where some of them were. But as soon as it got warm enough, guess what happened to those paths? They got reestablished pretty quick as those boys hopped on those ATVs and hightailed it all over that mountain. The reality is, the more we travel a path, the easier it is to go that way. But what will happen is if we back away from a path, over time it will grow back up. And this is good for us to know as believers is that we can move away from negative thoughts that exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ, and over time, our brain will actually heal itself. The same way when you cut your finger over time, it'll heal that cut. Your neural pathways will do the same thing. You just can't see it. But you'll notice a difference in you. This is the way the Lord has made you. What is the biggest stronghold holding you back? What's the one big stronghold in your life is it that you're not lovable is that you'll never be good enough is that you don't deserve anything good that you're always going to be broke what's the struggle for you what's the stronghold for you and i want you right now quietly in your mind i want you to name it inside your head i want you to name your stronghold because this is what pastor craig rochelle says that i love so much you cannot defeat what you cannot define What is it that you need to go after? My, my friend and, and mentor, David Brockman, he's the guy that disciples me. He asks me this question all the time. I mean, all the time. And it's something I would love to bake into our D groups too. Um, he asks me this all the time. Drew, what lie are you believing? I'll call him in a frantic frenzy, freaking out about something. And he'd be like, okay, Drew, what lie are you believing right now? And what is he asking me? He's asking me, what in this moment are you believing that contradicts the truth? Because this is what he and I have established in our friendship, is that this is true no matter what else is going on in our lives. This word is truth. And this is where I want the pathway of my brain to go whenever I encounter difficult situations. Right here. So he asked me this question. Drew, what lie are you believing right now? Can I tell you the stronghold in our lives, that stronghold is a stronghold built of lies. And this morning I'm saying you can be free from that stronghold this morning in the name of Jesus. Here's what's so cool. It says here, we demolish arguments and every lofty opinion that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. 
We demolish them. Listen, we can demolish strongholds. That's where you're supposed to jump up on your feet and be like, Amen, Pastor Drew. This is Paul writing in the Word of God that we can demolish strongholds. In John 8, it says this. It said, um, if you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples. We know that one right around here. If you abide in my words, in the words of Jesus, in this truth, you are truly my disciples. And then he says this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you know God, then you will find freedom. This morning, you can have freedom for whatever it is that's dragging you down. I remember a time, and uh, Robert, come help me out, man. I remember a time, um, so I, I teach a class, and I used to have my own classroom in the high school in a building way off by itself. Like I was way out from everybody else, which was nice because no one would bother me, right? And in that building, I had my own bathroom which was nice because then if you've been a teacher, you know one of the biggest struggles is if you have to go, you got a room full of kids, what are you going to do, right? So you have to open the teacher's door next to you and be like, please watch my class and run down the hall as fast as you can. But I had a, a good situation going on. I had my own bathroom in my own building and works out real well. Um, so one day during class, I was like, man, I have to go to the restroom. So I walked in there, and it took me a minute, unexpectedly. And it was time for me to leave. I found the door was not opening. Those high schoolers had barricaded the door. And I was trapped inside. I was banging on the door. Let me out. Thinking, what do I do here? Do I call the principal and say, hey, you're going to have to come up here. Give me out. They'd push the couch up there. They'd stack chairs, everything else. I, I, I was able to budget like that far. And to see that I was trapped. And they shoved it back. And then the bell rang. And I could hear all the footsteps leaving the room. And I was like, I am trapped in this bathroom. And I waited. And I heard the, the bell ring for the next class to start. And I heard a few kids say, where's, where's Mr. Killingsworth? And then one kid came and opened the bathroom door. And there I was. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were using the restroom. I was like, no, no, I was trapped in here. He goes, what? I was trapped in here. He goes, you were locked in? I was like, no, the door was barricaded. And they were like, no. Those jokers had quietly unbarricaded the door and left. And there I was, just trapped in the bathroom. I'd have been yelling, guys, let me out. It stinks in here. Like, no. Trapped in with the stink, but I wasn't trapped at all. It was a lie. I believed a lie. I believed I was trapped in the bathroom. And it was a lie the entire time. The door was unlocked. And that's some of us this morning. 
we find ourselves locked inside and it's a lie you're believing a lie those thoughts you're thinking they're trapping you they're a lie from the enemy they're a stronghold in your life that you're believing can i tell you this morning the door is unlocked verse 5 says we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive those thoughts and say, you will be obedient to Christ. So instead of thinking, what do I think about this thing? We think, what does the Lord think about this situation? That word take captive in the Greek is actually not just a defensive term. It's actually a war term. Like, that you would do with a sword or a spear, like to take it captive. But I think it's funny is in Ephesians when he's talking about the weapons we have, everything, every single thing on the list is a defensive thing. The breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. These are all defensive things. There's only one thing in the list that's an offensive weapon. You know what it is? The sword of the Spirit, and he goes on to elaborate, which is the Word of God. So when he's saying take captive, he's saying take your sword and take that thought captive. So we attack. And we attack the stronghold with the truth of the Word of God. Can I tell you something? If you know the truth, then the truth will set you free. But you're going to have to go on the offense on this thing a little bit. Because those thoughts, you're, you're stuck in a rut. You're stuck in a rut. I asked my students one day, you know what it means to be stuck in a rut? They had no clue what a rut even was. So students, if you don't know what a rut uh, is, especially back in the olden days when all the roads were dirt and you'd be in your horse and buggy, what you'd find is over time, the wheels of those buggies would create ruts in the road. And over time, get deeper and deeper to where when you were riding along, you couldn't get out of that road because your wheels were stuck in the ruts. And some of us, that's what's going on in our neural pathways in our brain. We've believed a lie for so long that we're actually stuck in a rut. But you know, we can change that to truth. We can change that rut to be not a rut, but a canal, a river for righteousness flowing through us. Can I be honest about my rut this morning? The thing I was struggling with nine months ago was the opinions of other people. Like, like to the point it was debilitating. I was stuck in a rut and as I was going through this the Lord took me to Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 and it says this so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me and I had to say over and over again I had to personalize it and say the Lord is Drew's helper I will not fear what will he or she do to me and I had to name them my name the Lord is Drew's helper what can I fear what will that person do to me what will that the Lord is my helper. And I had to say it over and over again until I believed, until I created a new pathway in my own brain.
we all do things like this. We say, like, I can't do this. And we have to remember that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's the truth of the word. We say, well, I'm ugly. I'm not attractive. But the scripture tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the word. We believe the lie and say, well, I'm just miserable. But the word of God says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I feel alone. But the scripture says, he will never leave me or forsake me. Well, I'm just a victim. No, we are more than conquerors, is what the scripture says. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What thoughts are you allowing to live this morning? Will you stand with me? And if I could get some leaders to come and join me in the front, we're going to pray for you. But we're not just going to pray for you. We're going to declare the word of God and life and truth to you this morning. We're going to capture lies and replace it with the truth. I'm going to say it again. Capture lies and replace it with truth. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. There's two things that can happen. One, God can heal you, your brain on the spot. Like, like my dad, he was an atheist, a, a drug addict, and then bam, he was healed. I think that's an instantaneous healing of the neural pathways in his brain. That can happen. I believe God can heal. But sometimes our bodies have to heal in the way that God designed our bodies to heal. And that takes time sometimes. And that's going to require you to have some discipline. That's why we call disciples, because we have discipline. Discipline to take thoughts captive over and over and over again. That is not Christ-like, to grab a hold of it and replace it with the truth, to not stay locked in the prison any longer. Here's the thing, Jesus holds the keys. Like when Jesus died on the cross, like he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and he rose to life, he did the impossible. Jesus is alive this morning to give us freedom today. And so guess what? We live in a culture that says, well, you just do you, you just believe your truth. I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Your truth doesn't matter a hill of beans. The only truth that matters is the truth of the word of God. And I saw it come out myself a couple days ago when I was worn out, we were been at the cross country field all day long and I was exhausted and we'd been going and going and going and going. And I was driving home from that cross country meet and my girls started doing what siblings do and they're fussing a little bit. And normally the old Drew would have just screamed and yelled and any parents, yeah. And I, I just took a breath. In fact, I took 10 breaths because that's what we'd agreed to. And we talked in my car driving home that night and and the, the biggest thing I don't even think she knows how much it impacted me when my 12 year old said good job dad like you did good dad and you didn't even know how much that meant to me like she recognized you're staying calm because I, I was at my I was tired right when you're tired you just uh... but that doesn't happen overnight sometimes sometimes it does I'm not going to discount the power of God God can change you in a moment tonight today that's why i want you to come pray or you might have to get in the word over and over and over again on that issue until you finally find victory but you don't back up until you have victory over that thought 
And every time you find yourself thinking it, you take it captive, say no, and you go back. I have a note in my phone. It's called Life Declarations for Drew. And it says, the Lord is my helper. I will only fear him. And I said this last week. And every time I found myself going back to those thoughts of fears of other people's opinions, and sometimes still do, but I, I would go to these scriptures under this heading, the Lord is my helper, I will only fear him. The Lord is my helper, I will only fear him. And I sometimes, I told you last week, I'd be driving down the road by myself, screaming it at the top of my lungs, because I need Drew to believe that. Now, are there days I still struggle with this? Absolutely. I still struggle with the opinions of other people. But I can stand before you confidently this morning and tell you, I don't wake up with the anxiety anymore. It's gone. Because the thoughts have changed. Because of the truth of this word. Not because Drew did something great. Drew's a knucklehead. Jesus is good. And so this morning, here's my invitation to you. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like, I'm telling you, I found freedom this morning. Look at me. I've found freedom this morning. I've experienced what I'm preaching to you. Sometimes I'm in the middle of walking through, but some of the things I preach to you, I've already walked through it, and I know it is truth, and it works. And I'll tell you this morning, this is truth, and it works. The Word of God is alive and active. And we can take thoughts captive and we can find freedom because we know God. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? A while ago, I asked you to name the stronghold. Listen, I'll say it again. You cannot defeat what you will not define. What is the thought? What is the stronghold that grips your mind over and over and over again? What is it? Now here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to come to this altar and let these men and women of God minister to you over that area. It's time to move. It's time to find freedom this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.